Welcome to episode 8 of Turning Tracks. My name is Matt. And I'm Chris. And we're here to talk about the music that we love. On today's episode, we're going to listen to a band that has seemingly been a common contributor to the soundtrack of my life. From the day I first heard them, they have been consistently producing music that has always kept me engaged and in awe. Hop in. It'll be an eternity until we make it to M83. Because today we listen to the music of Clutch. Whenever it feels right Whenever it feels right Whenever it feels right Hello, Chris. Well, hello, Matt. Excuse me as I sip my tasty beverage. How are you? I am, well, clearly not as good as you. I'm not sipping a tasty beverage. Well... You know, nah, I'm doing all right. I'm living the dream. I have no idea who Clutch is. I have <laughs> the I, I'm brimming. I'm just brimming with uh, anticipation because obviously I, I love Clutch. I, you know, didn't just pull them out of a hat for this episode. I'm just such a huge, huge fan. You had um, mentioned that I've probably heard something by them before, and I very intentionally did not listen to any of this music beforehand. Okay. I didn't even try to seek them out. I was just like, nope, I'm going to learn about them on the show. I have okay. no clue. Not, uh, none of the song names that you gave sounded familiar, but mm-hmm. I, I'm excited. I, I love learning about new music. So I love I love giving people uh, new music, and I love receiving new music. And speaking of no clue, I have no clue what you're talking about from last episode when I said... You've probably heard a song. I probably had something in mind, and I don't know what it was. So, I uh, I'd like to redact that statement. Can consider it redacted. I don't even know. Did did you? I don't even know if you said it during the episode. You said it to me at some point that I've probably heard them at some point in my life. But you know what? We, we talk a lot. We do. We say <laughs> a lot of things. Well, yeah, we most of it of none important, no importance. <laughs> we even record some of them, <laughs> and that's even less important. <laughs> Because I feel like when we're not recording, we're, you know, asking each other genuine questions like, how are you? How's your family? How do you How's properly everything? fry chicken? Like, th- these are the important questions. Yes, yes. Where are the recipes for chicken cutlets? <laughs> Tell me where the recipes are for the chicken cutlets and no one gets hurt. So, um, anyway. Welcome for anyone... to the Turning Cutlets track. <laughs> Turning Cutlets podcast. Dude, you're going to make me get a chicken cutlet tonight. I'm going to somehow have to figure out how to get a chicken cutlet tonight. This is ridiculous. <laughs> As I was saying, for anyone who's new to the show, here's how this works. Each episode, either Chris or myself picks a band or an artist. That person then chooses 10 tracks, and 10 tracks only, uh, that they feel best represents the band or said artist. Uh, then we sit down, we listen to them, we discuss them, and that's how it goes. It's it's pretty straightforward. Um, as I said, we're in episode 8. We have 7 fantastic episodes before this, so if you haven't already, please check them out. Uh, at the very least, we say stupid things, as we pointed out up front. Um, so, let's see. I-, I guess I'll start with you, Chris, and you kind of already touched upon this. What do you know about Clutch? <laughs> hmm. I know how to spell it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, good start. Very good I'm start. I'm assuming they uh, are some sort of musical act. Uh, you would be correct. Um, you like them. I uh, certainly do, yes. They've written at least 10 songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely 10 songs. Yeah, I, I'm tapped. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was really curious how far you were going to go with that. I was really enjoying it, actually. Um, all right. So, um, boy, let's see. I guess I guess I'll give you a little uh, uh, band history, and I do mean a little. Um, I've talked about this on other episodes. Uh, you know, I, we're not here really to discuss, you know, the inner workings and who hates who and stuff like that, unless it's completely relevant like a band like Fleetwood Mac. But I digress. Um, uh, I just got to give a little base, give a little base, uh, base, base information. Yeah, a little base in trouble. Yeah, sure. Right. Maybe a little kick and snare, a little hi-hat. Definitely some fills. Anyway, um, <laughs> just give you a little base information and then we'll we'll launch off that pad and journey into the magical uh, world that is Clutch. Uh, Clutch was formed in 1991 by Dan Maines, who is the bass player. Jean-Paul Gaster, who is the drummer, Tim Soltz, guitar, I'm and sorry, Roger. John Paul Gaster? Is it John Paul or Jean Paul? I said Jean Paul. Wow. I'm sorry, you just reminded me. Do you remember that game Seaman for Dreamcast? Oh my god, with um Leonard, Leonard, Nimoy's... Leonard Nimoy? Of course. Yeah, the scientist in that game was Dr. Jean Paul Gasset. Welcome to the laboratory of Jean Paul Gasset. You'll witness before you a phenomenon like no other. A man of the sea. Seaman. Uh, that I don't remember. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry to interrupt. It's just I don't know why that popped out of my head, but there's your Dreamcast Seaman reference for the day. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Excuse me as I check that off my list. <laughs> it's about dang time, too. All right. But, 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 sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no. Back to business. I just I can't resist the urge. Oh, my God. Somebody said something related to Seaman for Sega Dreamcast. I must interject. <laughs> <laughs> this is my moment. Somewhere your wife is like rolling her eyes like, oh, not another Seaman reference. Constantly. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Tim Soltz on guitar and uh, Roger Smalls on vocals. They were formed in Germantown, Maryland. Before settling on the name Clutch, uh, by the way, this was just completely lifted from Wikipedia. Um, like I said, <laughs> I, I don't want to dig deep. Uh, just base information. Uh, the band used the early names. So before they chose the name Clutch, they used the early names Glut Trip and Moral Minority. <laughs> <laughs> uh, soon, uh, uh, what's his name? Roger Smalls soon departed and was replaced by Neil Fallon, who is now their current and, you know, singer. Uh, a longtime schoolmate of the other members at Seneca Valley High School. The band's new name was chosen due to the band's interest in cars at the time and it being a one syllable name like many bands at the time, including Prong, uh, who the band is huge fans of. I myself am a massive prong fan as well. I got to see them a couple of years ago and I got to meet the lead singer and he was the nicest human being on the planet. And I could, the photo of me and him, you can actually see the joy in my face of meeting him. It's, it was so cool. So anyway, mm. so my personal history, um, the first time I heard this band, it's side note. <laughs> I haven't said anything and I want to go to side note. <laughs> um, we we soundtracks, right? 
there's something about soundtracks, especially I think in the the nineties to the early two thousands, there's a real emphasis on like having these great compilations of musics for movies. Um and the first time I heard Clutch was on the Escape from LA soundtrack, which is a quick nod to my first pick, which was White Zombie, who had a song on that as well. I played it on the episode. Um there the song they played they had on the track on the soundtrack was uh, Escape from the Prison Planet, which seems just completely fitting. It wasn't written for the soundtrack, it just happened to be a song in existence that someone was like, Hey man, that's perfect. Um the, the minute I heard that song, I said, this band is great. I had a friend who was hanging out with uh, that I'd known forever. His name's Eric. He um, he was more the guy that was like, I don't know how he was getting his music at the time. He would always come and be like, oh, do you listen to this? No, do you listen to this? And he would always have these new bands before I had heard them. And then, of course, I hear this track, and then I eventually go back, and I start you know, picking up the older records. When I uh, first saw them, however, they were opening up for Limp Bizkit, <laughs> which... Ooh. Yeah, I, I was with, I, I hung out with a group of friends who Limp Bizkit hit really, really hard for. I was a fan. I really, really enjoy their first record. Um, but everything kind of after that's whatever. Uh, but we would see them every single time they came to town. And as a result, I got to see a lot of really good other bands that my friends couldn't couldn't have cared less about. Clutch, of course, being one of them. But ever since seeing them, once I saw them live, I was sold. And, and that was it. Um a very interesting uh, fact about Clutch, or I should say about me, um, I had a friend who was working, and you'll remember this place because you're a, you're a Brooklyn guy. There was a club called Lamore. Sounds familiar. They, um, they used to put on tons and tons and tons of shows uh, when it was open. Uh, I had a friend who sort of worked in conjunction with them, and one day she called me up and was like, listen... Uh, you want to make a couple bucks on the day? And I'm like, sure, what do I got to do? She's like, you ju- we just need you to be a roadie for the day and unload and load a truck. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. She's like, yeah, you'll be doing it for Clutch. And I was like, you don't even have to pay me. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. So um, so I get out to Lamore at like 7 a.m. Their bus rolls in and... Um, you know, they, uh, they've been traveling from Virginia that night, so they stayed on the bus, right? Uh, we unload their gear, we, the, the tech set it up, and then um, Clutch comes in. And when I tell you I have an experience like no one else, I'm, I'm absolutely not kidding you. I have seen Clutch now about five, six times in the past 15 years or so, maybe more, for 20 years. Um, wait, how old am I? 25 years. I've seen Clutch about five or six times in the past 25 years. They sound checked with my absolute favorite song of all time, which I will play on this show, and I will gush about it then too. And I have never seen them play it live ever, except for that sound check. So I'm in Lemore. There's the sound guy, the bands, maybe their tour manager, their tech, and like me and three other roadies. And they played my absolute favorite song. And, it, and I just had, uh, I got goosebumps thinking about it right now. So. <laughs> That was such a, a a wild experience, um, and yeah, to to kind of finish up my my history is, uh, if you become a fan from the show, if you are a fan, uh, you know, I think you'll understand. Every time they come to town, if they're relatively near to me, I will always go see them. I will do my best to. I get bummed when I find out I missed them. I don't care who the supporting acts are. I'm going to see Clutch. I will always, 
always go see them. I saw them most recently. Let's see. We're in April. I saw them September of 2022 with a couple of buddies of mine. And that was a great show, too, because Helmet was there. And, um, oh, hell. I feel so bad. Can't think of the opening act. And they were great, too. Another New York band. Anyway. They clutch put on such a great set. They just put out a new record, so they played a handful of tracks off of that. Those are really, you know, you know when you go see a band, they're like supporting a new record, and they're like, "You guys want to hear some new stuff?" And there's always a couple of people like, "No, <laughs> I'm always kind of that guy." But this, the new stuff, I hadn't heard the record yet, and uh, the new stuff they were playing, I thought was really good. The record came out like three days later. I love it too. It's they haven't put out a bad record in my opinion, but as we progress forward into playing music, I will say. The same thing I say every single time. Clutch has something like, I don't know, eight uh, eight full-length records and then another like eight or ten like live albums, rarities albums, EPs. It's, it's a lot of music to go through, right? So it's always a challenge for me to pick just the ten, uh, you know, records – uh, excuse me, 10 recordings to um, to make up these episodes. I, I always struggle. Um, so I, I just have to I just have to put that out there as a kind of a caveat where I'm going to sit here and go, oh, I really wanted to play this and oh, I really wanted to do that. Uh, OK, so enough of my incessant <laughs> babbling. Are you, my good man, ready to hear some clutch? Oh, I am ready. Excellent. So. We are going to start off the episode with um, one of the songs that I think really um, is – how do I put this? It's I think it's synonymous with the band Clutch. I feel like when you say Clutch to me, I think of like three songs, and those three songs are within the first five songs of this episode. Um, so coming off of – their major label debut, if I'm not mistaken, it's major label. They had a couple of, they had like two small EPs beforehand. They toured incessantly for it, and that's really what uh, garnered the attention to get them on a, a bigger label. Uh, coming off of 1993's, uh, this this record name is ridiculous. Uh, by the way, all the names are ridiculous. Um, <laughs> just as a just a little aside, right there. So, 1993's Transnational Speedway League. Anthems, anecdotes, and undeniable truths. Here is a Shogun named Marcus. Enjoy. Stop! 
that was a Shogun named Marcus <laughs> off of Transnational Speedway League and some anecdotes and undeniable truths. Uh, Chris, <laughs> how does that one grab you? Bebop, balubop, balop, What is that? What is that? Bebop, balubop, balop, shampoo. And don't worry, I got to if I got to. Yeah, what is, what is that? Oh, I'm thinking wop, balubop, balop, shampoo. Okay. That, I mean, that, it's it's in that same vein. It's in the same it's in the same neighborhood. Uh, yeah, that was that was wonderful. <laughs> that was good. It was um uh when when was this recorded? Ninety three. Oh, I was gonna say this sounds early nineties. Ninety two, ninety three. It's like reminding. It's for some reason reminding me very specifically of the Clark's soundtrack. Um, just yeah, that that recording tone. Um, Ber- Berserker. Yeah, Berserker. <laughs> it's a it, it's a nice uh. Uh, I like I like the tone. I like the sound. I really like the riff. Uh, it was pretty cool. It was. Um, I didn't really know what to expect as far as like what the vocals were going to be like. It's a uh, mm-hmm. definitely a uh, definitely screamy, and I don't don't mind that. It was just a little surprising at first. I don't know why it was surprising. Just you know. he, so it's, it's 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 not even ten a.m. So no. <laughs> it's two to ten, man. It's two, two to, to ten. ten. <laughs> that was good. Um, I liked it. No, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Neil's when Neil talks, he kind of has that gravelly kind of southern voice. You know, they're very Maryland, if that makes any sense. Like, if you've ever met someone who's from Maryland, Maryland has a, a an interesting um, uh, what's the word? Uh, I don't want to say accent, but especially Baltimore. Baltimore's got a very special accent. Is um, Maryland in the South? Is my my geometry? No. Is- Okay. It's not. It's my it's, geometry. Uh, my I didn't. Geography. I wasn't. I was gonna let it go, man, because it's only two to ten. I mean, but... let's let's be honest. My geometry sucks too. <laughs> no triangulating anything for you, buddy. No, I will be triangulating nothing of the sort, sir. <laughs> no, but you know what? Maryland's so close to Pennsylvania, and I find in certain areas of Pennsylvania, there's certain accents. You know, like you get out to Pittsburgh, obviously you get that Yeans guys and mm-hmm, stuff like mm-hmm. that. You jag offs, but uh, there's certain areas, and I think it bleeds over. But um, yeah, for 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 four dudes from uh, Maryland, they certainly carry, and and I think you'll hear that too as we progress through the episode. They carry a certain um, southern uh, influence to, I think, some of their stuff. Actually, a lot of their stuff, but yet. It, it it comes across with a heaviness. Um, and as we, I think we dive a little deeper, I think uh, I'll talk a little bit more about stoner rock and stuff and how these guys definitely get kind of put at the top of that heap. Um, I say heap as though it's a bad word, excuse me, but I, I, it's the first word that came to mind. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, so moving on to our second track. Um, again, this also comes off of the same record, uh, Transnational Speedway League, blah, 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 blah. Uh, this one's called 12 ounce epilogue. Um, I just, I love the name 12 ounce epilogue, but of course I love the song and, uh, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity right now to check it out. 12 ounce epilogue from clutch. Enjoy.
That was 12 ounce epilogue by Clutch off of Transnational International Speedway uh, League. <laughs> Anth- I don't know why I'm bothered. <laughs> anyway, you know what the record is. Uh, so, Chris, what did you think? Uh, Coca Cola and what? Armageddon. Armageddon. I was. For some reason, I was trying to think of a product that sounded like that. I was like, is he saying RC Cola, Pepsi, Doctor? Like, he's thinking of some kind of other thing. Armageddon never would have occurred to me. I yeah, just don't uh, have a, I just don't have the brain for uh, for metal. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's it, it took me a long time to get some of it too, and pulling up the lyrics doesn't hurt either. Um, another another good one. I again, I enjoyed that uh, quite a bit. That was. A I'm actually I'm actually very curious. Uh, so I intentionally chose that one because you and I talk about on our other podcast how big of a fan we are of bass and bass lines. Hmm. So it's got that driving. So I, I'm curious what you thought of that. Uh, I thought that was a uh, it was quite good. It was um. Let's see. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to put my my feelings in the words here that don't sound okay. bad because I I don't want it to sound like I didn't enjoy it because I did. Uh, it was it was repetitive in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. This is a we talked about this on our video game podcast a bunch where um, music doesn't necessarily have to be complex to be good. Um, right. And this was just a, a, a simple thing that was executed very well. Uh, it had a really good energy to it. Um, other than me just trying to figure out what the lyrics were by listening <laughs> to them, uh, that was slightly distracting. But other than that, it's a, I, I, I it was, a, it was a good track. It was very, very good, very good hook, very good baseline. Um, mm-hmm. and I like how, how just tightly it was all performed. It's good stuff. So to your points, right? Absolutely. I, uh, you know, Again, I always pretty much agree with you on, on a lot of things. It doesn't have to be complex to be great. Um, it can be simple and great. And I think one of the things that Clutch does really, really well is they write really great simple stuff, and then they write really, really great complex stuff. They're one of the rare bands, in my opinion, that um, has been able to have uh, as long a career as they have. And somehow managed to stay in the same realm of music, like never uh, intentionally swapping genres or going into subgenres or something, like always remaining true to the clutch sound, whatever that is, um, and yet being able to cross over uh, at, while at the same time being able to create these really um, just interesting pieces of art. Uh, I'm going to use the term art not because I'm uh, pretentious, but... <laughs> Because it's it's what it is, in my opinion, right? Like uh, it, it, it's music. It is quite literally art. No, right, no, exactly. No pretense I just, involved. It's yeah. It's no, <laughs> I don't know. If I heard me talking, I'd be like, oh, what a pompous, arrogant, self righteous. <laughs> you know. Sorry, I'm just projecting. Wow. All right. It's it's guys. It's more about. It's a lot more about me than it is about you. And I apologize. Um, I'll have to talk to my therapist about this one. <laughs> but any, but anyway, um, so we're gonna get away now from the really long record name. And we're going to move on to uh, what I think is pretty much a a quintessential clutch record. Um, And the reason I I intentionally bring it up uh, to the, uh, as a precursor to what we're about to talk about is um, I feel that this first record transnational uh, speedway is um, it's recording. As you pointed out, Chris is very much indicative of like 1992, 1993. Right. And has a kind of, uh, it has a very specific sound to it. And I think as uh, my experience of Clutch 
moving forward from their first major label to their current release, um, there's certainly like this uh, sonic uh, experience where... (laughs) Sorry. I'm a bad person. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I don't care, man. It's funny. So long as it's funny, right? No one gets hurt, and it's funny. You mean you could have removed those cuffs at any time? No, only when it was funny. Only when it was funny. Um, that is absolutely my favorite line for that movie. <laughs> Welcome to ADAD, ADHD Theater. I'll be your host. Um, no, Chicken cutlets. Ah, oh, damn it, he did it again. Okay, so there's this psychic... <laughs> a psychic. This is so not a psychic thing. They have a record <laughs> called Psychic Warfare. There's this sonic uh, experience that I have that... Um, you know, being an engineer and, and things like that, I, I can kind of pick it apart. And I'm sure the, most people can hear it. I think their first record was recorded. And it's very, like, mid-rangey. It's very kind of closed up, if that makes sense. There's not a ton of air in it, right? The high end might not necessarily be there. You know, their sound is very kind of grungy. Not grunge like Nirvana, Soundgarden, the, the movement, but like it's very grungy and kind of almost like old punk, how the recording tech wasn't there. So it kind of has a certain sound. But as we get uh, further away from uh, Transnational Speedway League, uh, that starts to change. And I think, you know, the quality of recordings gets quote unquote better, you mm-hmm. know, because that's all subjective, right? I love the way old jazz records from the 40s and the 50s sound. And I kind of hate the way new jazz sounds like modern. It's, you know, it's all subjective, right? So, that being said, uh, moving on to uh, Clutch's second release, Clutch, <laughs> hmm. we're going to listen to a track called uh, Big News. Big News is um, the first track on the record, and I kid you not, I hear the first note of this song, and it just it makes the hairs on my neck stand up. For all the years that I've seen them, they have yet to perform this live at a show I've been to. So this is like my second. I've already gotten my holy grail from them. Hmm. This is like my runner up, <laughs> my runner up holy grail, if that's even a thing. <laughs> um, I'm going to stop babbling. Here comes Clutch's Big News 1 off of Clutch. Enjoy.
That was big news one off of 1995 uh, Clutch album, Clutch. <laughs> um, so that's definitely, for me, a bass line that is among some of the best. And then the way the band just comes together with it, like, <sighs> that's magic in a bottle, man. Just for me. I don't know. How do you feel, man? Well, I got to tell you, um, our third episode, we did Dispatch, and there was an album of theirs that I played very few songs off of. I didn't play any songs off except for the intro, which is called Who Are We Living For? And first off, this was a a surprising sound, uh, because it didn't sound anything like the first two tracks we listened to. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, it reminds me a lot of some of the songs on Dispatch's Who Are We Living For? Uh, Got a very that um 
you know, the kind of like the bass and the uh, guitar playing the same note together kind of a thing. Uh, mm -hmm. It's got a very similar vibe to that. Very uh, almost, I don't want to say jam bandish, but it's like you can just kind of hear this being live and them just kind of riffing on it for a while. Um, it reminds me a lot of that, which is, which was total, totally unexpected. Um, I really liked it. I really liked the, uh, the, the general, uh, groove of it. It was a very, um, much more chill piece. Um, uh, the, the, the baseline was, the baseline was really, really catchy. Uh, it all just kind of went down very smooth. It got a little wacky at the end, a little psychedelic, yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. at the end. Uh, again, not not really a bad thing. It it all fit. It all worked. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. Thumbs up. Oh, awesome. Uh, again, it, it's it's among my top like five, if not top three, favorite clutch songs of all time. Um, you know, I said I, I, the way I said uh, prior to your take was everything about it comes together so well. Bassline's just phenomenal. The way the guitarist comes in, the drums, everything just works, works, works. And I love a lot of the lyrics. Um, the I, I really actually love. Um, uh, Fallon's uh, lyrics. Uh, he, in my opinion, he can be a little wacky, right? Like bebop, bop wop, shampoo, and domo regato. If I got to, um, I sometimes wonder, like his his writing process, because I find that a lot of his rhyme schemes are very. They can be very juvenile, and uh, I'll talk about something that is absolutely not juvenile in a little while, and with another song. Um, while I was listening to this, I was uh, skimming just kind of like Wikipedia to see if I could just uh, pull out any nuggets. And there's a very interesting um, Wikipedia blurb about this record. Um, this album captures the band's M.O. of trying out new styles and genres with a definable mix of funk metal in the songs this time around. The album is considered to be uh, the point where the band has begun to evolve their, quote, stoner and blues rock know-how. Uh, the record also keeps their punk metal credentials containing some heavier tracks. Um, and then this is the thing that I kind of thought, huh, the album is considered a staple of the 1990s stoner rock genre, as it contains more spacey pieces such as Big News, which we just listened to, Escape from the Prison Planet, um, I, have the, I Have the Body of John Wilkes Booth, and Supergrass, which was our opening track, which, mm. again, if you're not a Clutch fan and you're not familiar, can be a very off-putting song to begin with. Um because it really is like a dirge and it, it it chugs along and really does have those defining um, earmarks of, of stoner rock and stuff. So just an interesting little blurb, blurb that I, I'm stealing from Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Supergrass, uh, the opening track also comes off of this record uh, clutch. But the next song we're going to listen to is this first song that I ever heard by them. Escape from the prison planet off of the... Uh, Escape from L.A. soundtrack, which originally comes off the Clutch record. Um, there was something about the lyrical cadence and um, just the phrasings and stuff that really grabbed me. And then, of course, I think we kind of got it from the White Zombie episode. I'm really into, like, groove metal. Mm -hmm. I love when when bands can really set a tight pocket and, and you really have, like, a like a, almost a funk groove, which is, you know, something pointed out about this. So I think this track is absolutely emblematic of that. So here it is, Escape from the Prison Planet off of Clutch's 1995 release, Clutch. Enjoy. <laughs>
and then I nodded two, three more. One man asked me for a dollar, I asked him what it's for. He said, I have seen them, I said, okay, it's yours. And that's featured on the MTV, the local high school lets out and the town becomes anarchy. Bodies are crashed, skin marks are measured. The stories in the paper, you may read it at your leisure. Get up! Egypt! Escape from the prison planet! Get up! Egypt! Escape from the prison planet! And to the tune of a billion dollars I supply to the DOD Some tasty little nuggets of alien technology And as one might expect, I've been harassed for years The men in black have been bending my ear As a matter of fact They were just as a day, but I escaped them to a secret passageway. Once I lived them for a thousand days. Get up! Eject! Escape from the prison planet! Get up! Eject! Escape from the prison planet! I have plans for the future, guess the futuristic plans. Move out west and buy some desert lands. Or maybe up north, just past Alaska. You know nothing of this if they ask ya. Red Rover, Red Rover, Bob Lazar's coming over. So honey, clear the airstrip and light up that stove. I don't, I think it started, oh yeah. Let's get from the prison planet. Yeah.
Escape from the Prison Planet off of Clutch's 1995 release. Clutch and Chris, are you ready to escape the prison planet? I mean, I am now. Sorry. I've been stuffing Easter eggs for the kids. Uh-huh. And there was one piece of chocolate left over. Oh, no. I had to take care of it. You can't. No, <laughs> we can't. We can't have that around no. here. We cannot have these levels of inefficiency. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. They have to have the same number of candies or there will be blood. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, there will be blood. The fake fade out. I have never heard a band other than Cake do that before. That was fantastic. Really? I've. Oh. I, I don't I, think I've ever heard, a, you know, a, a recording of a song where they just like, all right, the song's over now. Never mind. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. This group's too tight. <laughs> Actually, um, back in. I, uh, I've only ever heard Cake do that, and uh, I thought that was uh, thought that was a real trip. This is a good song. It was a good, just like the last one. It was a really good groove. It was uh, real easy to listen to, real easy to just background music. You know, it was really easy to kind of just tune this one out and just kind of subliminally groove to it. It was, uh, it was very, yeah. very nice. I liked this one a lot. I, you know, I, I, it's interesting that you uh, make that observation because you're absolutely right. I've, I, I said in my write-up at the beginning a band that's always seemingly been part of the soundtrack of my life, you know, pretty much from, like, being 16 or 17 and on. Um, and I guess in some way a soundtrack is that background music for some. Uh, so that's a it's a very interesting kind of observation. They certainly have. And, and this record really, I think, is the, the part that cements their as that write-up said, their stoner rock blues groove, and it just gets better and better moving forward. Yeah, they stray from the path. They're very much the type of band that I think doesn't want to keep doing the same thing the same way, so they find new ways of doing it, and you'll see that in, in later tracks and stuff like that. Um, I, you know, I pointed out the the lyrical cadence and content um just to to a greater extent as we listen to some other tracks on the list today there's a lot of vocal phrasings and a lot of vocal melodies that are among my favorite just melodies in general like i don't have to even know the words i'll hum the melodies just because i think they're that freaking good like uh from a you know in the apartment by myself or in the office by myself or whatever i'll just randomly sing some stuff and it's usually clutch honestly um I have to say one thing about their lyrical content as well. I, I've never, I'm not big on like reading every interview and watching every, you know, spot, but Neil Fallon's got to be a very well read man because I was reading these lyrics and I've known this song now since 1995. And there's a line that he says, um, you know, Red Rover, Red Rover, Bob Lazar's coming over. So, honey, clear the airstrip and light up the stove by jove i think it started um i was like who the hell is bob lazar i look him up and he is uh an american conspiracy theorist which you know if you look at all the other lyrical content is i have plans for the future guess my futuristic plans move out west and buy some desert land move up north just past alaska you know nothing of this that they ask you and it's all about uh i uh, and to the tune of a billion dollars i sold i supplied the doe with some tasty nuggets of alien technology uh, the men in black have been bending my ear for years. Like it, it's just a whole song. And like to put in Bob Lazar and like all these references and stuff. It's just, I don't know. I just think it's like wicked brilliant, it's, wicked brilliant. 
It's certainly smarter than I am. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I have to look this stuff up. But I like that because I like learning something new every day. So today I learned who Bob Lazar was. You know what I mean? I try to impress that on the young guys at the job, and I can't believe I just said the young guys at the job. That just made me very freaking old. <laughs> Not the part that I talked about being 16 or 17 and around 1995 was the part that I said the young guys at the job. Um, anyway, um, yes, go out and learn something new every day. That being said, we're going to move on to what is absolutely – uh, my favorite record. I'm going to put a pin in this for a second. I'm going to pause it for a moment. Okay. Got it. Okay, I was reading this wrong. Sorry. We're okay. Uh, <laughs> Glad to hear it. Yeah. Reading, no so good. Uh, English, not good. Um, Me fail English? That's impossible. <laughs> I love that line. So that being said, we're moving on to the next record in chronological order, which is 100% beyond the shadow of a doubt, hands down, my absolute favorite clutch album of all time. This record sits probably in my top 10, if not top five albums of all time. This is that this is one of those. If you're on a desert island, you can only have 10 records. Which would you bring? It's absolutely 100% this record. This record will always make that list. This record is called The Elephant Riders. I love everything about this record, from the album art to the content, uh, just the tour. This was this was the second time I saw them. They were touring for this record. Um, just oh, such a phenomenal, phenomenal record. So the track we're going to listen to is the seventh track on this record. Now, you're probably wondering... You know, why the seventh track? Like, there's ten on there. Actually, there's there's actually a hidden track too. Um, and depending on which release you received, you got one of three songs, which is crazy to me, right? There's somewhere out there. There's a bunch of records. There's a bunch of versions of the Elephant Riders that have different hidden songs. Uh, it's so wild. <laughs> that almost uh, sounds mean. Right? Seriously? Well, here's the mean one. Uh, the Japanese version of the album has all three bonus tracks. <laughs> ah. Yeah, I know. It's, which I'm like, damn it. Now I have to find the Japanese release. But anyway, I digress. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about this later, but there's a bit of bonus. Uh, there's going to be bonus, I would say, footage, but we're doing audio. So there's there's bonus <laughs> content for all you listeners out there, and I'm gonna, we're going to talk about it afterwards. And it'll maybe make a little more sense as to why I chose the seventh track off this record. Um, we're going to play my absolute all-time favorite track at the end of the show. Because if I play it now, it's going to blow everything away. Just my opinion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm babbling. I notice that I babble a lot. I really need to stop that. We're going to dive right in. This is, oh, this track. One thing I want to talk about this track. Because uh, I was talking about um, lyrical content prior to this this is one of those tracks that is kind of the embodiment of what i enjoy in in music in certain bands right we did the johnny cash episode i'm a big fan of his ability to tell stories um did the white zombie episode which is their ability to have like these really chunky grooves um 
we're going to do other episodes later on where I, I sit and I pine over just straight lyrical content. But this song, Green Buckets, to me is one of the best, <laughs> it's one of the best kind of story songs there is. And it's ultimately about just kind of nothing. Uh, I won't spoil it. I'll let you guys listen to it and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Um, but just know that this song really makes me laugh. We, um, uh, I did the one song for Johnny Cash, you know, showcasing his humor. This is, I think, a song that is the pinnacle of kind of clutch humor because their humor is sprinkled through every bit of, of, of music they make. You have to kind of know what to look for. This is really like on Front Street. So that being said, uh, coming off of 1998's The Elephant Riders, this is Green Buckets by Clutch. Enjoy. Won't you come over and stay for a while? Take a seat, have a drink, we'd have a nice time. Turn on the TV, I believe it's prime time. I'll make a chicken, catch a Tory and five. There's a woman down at 314 who can't keep the stains on her kitchen floor clean. And there's a man who's been knocking on his own door for three years. Or has it been four? I, 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 I don't want to spend the winter in this house all alone. Those neighbors of mine keep coming up. Like I love my own brother, but every 
So that <laughs> I don't know, man. So that's Green Buckets by Clutch off the uh, '98 release, The Elephant Riders. <laughs> I don't know why that song. It brings me such joy. I mean, I I do know why it brings me so much. Joy. I just fucking babbled about it prior to the track. Um. Uh, but before I get your input, Chris, if I may, this song goes right into um then the song that comes right after Wishbone, which is another song that I think is another brilliant kind of storytelling uh, track, which uh, I implore you guys, if you're digging any of this, to really go listen to that one. It's much faster. It's a more energy. But that song, uh, that song's really funky because there's like a wah for the for the verse. Um, Neil wrote all these lyrics that talk about holidays and what you eat on them. So it's like, you know, uh, for St. Patrick's, we had cabbage, corned beef stew, and egg salad sandwich. Like, (laughs) it's so funny. It's just so ridiculous that, you know, a a band of this caliber is, like, writing material like this and just totally getting away with it. And people are, no pun intended, eating it up. Um, (laughs) That being said, (laughs) what do you make of green buckets? As some, By the way, as someone who lives pretty much in the suburbs, what do you think of green buckets, Chris? Uh, well, I mean, I can't say I picked up on a ton of the lyrics while I was okay. listening to it, but I'm reading them now. Yeah. <laughs> I like hear, I would hear you like chuckle or snicker or something or like you mentioned that this was a, a, an, an amusing one and I kept like tuning in and out of the lyrics and like, I don't know, man, I wasn't getting it, but now I'm, now I'm reading it. It's like, okay, this is, this is goofy as hell. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'll make you chicken catch a Tory in five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like uh, the, one of my favorite lyrics, though, is like, I love my neighbors like I love my own brother, but every year they're getting odder and odder. Like, <laughs> I, I love this idea that the the protagonist of the song is really like um, the main character from I Am Legend. And no, not the Will Smith movie. I'm talking about the Richard Matheson book where he locks himself in his house because, you know, the world has become vampires. And, uh, you know, he secretly pines. His wife has passed, and he, so he's watching old films and stuff. So I imagine that you know, this protagonist is in his house, like looking out the window, thinking his neighbors are weird, but he's spying on them. So who's the weird one? Right. And, you know, all these little idiosyncrasies of this kind of um, suburban life. And uh, it's just, I don't know. It just, it really tickles me, obviously. So that's, I, was, uh, I, I mean, I don't think I'm nearly as tickled as you are, but it is an amusing song. Uh, I, I again liked it musically, like sonically speaking. I was very much enjoying it, and again, just enjoying the uh, the groove of it. It was uh, had had a a good funky groove and made me happy. Um, I do. I am curious how much chowder this person goes through. It says a thousand that. a thousand yeah. cans of chowder and a thousand cans of beer. Well, I mean, the lyric is, uh, I've got food enough for us the to last two of throughout us, the year. About a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you eat, if you personally ate one can of chowder every day for a year, that's that's 365 cans of chowder. So you've got to eat more than one can of chowder every day. <laughs> it seems like a lot of chowder. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, maybe that's all they're eating. Like maybe maybe literally all it is is... I have chowder and beer, and that's it. There's no supplements. So in that case, I mean, I, I guess a thousand. It might be three times a day. Yeah, it might be three. In that case, a thousand's not enough for two people. Correct. Unless well, one unless of those you're... people is a cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
cats like chowder i don't know (laughs) but do you see why these lyrics are so absurd and like you sit and you start to pontificate on him you're like what am i doing i'm talking about a man a fictitious man who has a thousand cans of chowder and a thousand cans of beer like first of all that's a terrible combination (laughs) Mm, beer and chowder something if not everything is coming out of one end of you violently (laughs) they're buying in bulk too (laughs) where does one get a thousand cans of chowder costco maybe i don't know all you fans out there that are that are interacting with us on the discord all you chowder fans let us know all you all you chowder fans chowder 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 say it chowder it's chowder Chowda. That's Chowda. Chowda. I'll kill you. I'll kill all of you. <laughs> all right. Settle oh, down, man. Chowderhead. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, I know what you're thinking. Matt, you love the Elephant Riders. How come we're only listening to one tune off of it? Well, we're going to listen to our my 10th track is the, an Elephant Riders track. We'll definitely come back around to it. I implore you to go listen to Elephant Riders. Uh, I, I, If you have a bad time, you might be dead inside. I don't know. But we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on to uh, the next album, uh, which is called uh, Pure Rock Fury. Um, now, I loved Elephant Rider so much that when uh, Pure Rock Fury came out, I hated it. I don't know if anybody else experiences this. Maybe you do, Chris, uh, when a band puts out a record that just knocks your socks off. You get a higher level of expectation for the next piece to come out. And then for me, when it did, I thought... Meh. But uh, let's see, this is 2001, so it took some time, as does a lot of stuff with me. It's very rare that something hits instantaneously, and when it does, I know it's great. Uh, but that's not to, you know, kind of poo-poo all the other stuff that comes out. But at any rate, uh, the track we're going to be listening to off of uh, 2001's Pure Rock Fury is a song called Drink to the Dead. Um, one of the things that I feel is very prevalent in clutch's music is this almost sea shanty-esque um kind of vibe in that their choruses are very catchy and when you go see their shows like the crowd really sings along to the chorus because they're a lot of them are, are fairly simple to remember and they're kind of really fun and so there's this kind of drinking song vibe there's this sea shanty vibe uh, again, the stoner rock aspect. Obviously, they're a metal band. Um, there's just a lot to this band. They're, but I think that's my most appreciative um, aspect of them is that they're multifaceted in a way that just makes them seem like we're just doing our thing and this is what comes out. Um, Drink to the Dead is uh, it's just one of those songs that I think embodies a lot of this. Uh, a lot of the aspects I just mentioned. Um, this is the part where I'm going to shut up. This is uh, Drink to the Dead off of 2001's Pure Rock Fury by Clutch. Enjoy. Give the box three knocks Shook you 
Marching in three measure time Dressed up as asses Drunk to the nines Swing from the rafters Shouting those songs Gone unsung for far too long If boxing your shadow At the wall full of moss Drink to the Dead off of Clutch's 2001 release, Pure Rock Fury. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's one of those songs. I'm one of those guys that has a playlist that needs to be playing at my funeral, and this is one of them. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, that being said, Chris, how do you how does that one grab you? Uh, Well, it's stylistically, it's it's neat. It kind of sounds like a mashup between the first two tracks and Mm -hmm. the following three tracks. You know, it's a it's heavier than the like way more. Uh, I guess funk inspired, uh, kind of jamish stuff that we just listened to. Mm-hmm. Like it's got more of that kind of heavier distortion to it, and uh, the 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 vocals are a bit more uh, aggressively overbearing. Um, it was a really neat kind of like evolution of what we've heard so far. Um, I can't yeah. say I was as big a fan of it as some of the stuff that we've listened to so far, but it certainly wasn't a bad song. I, I thought it was actually quite good. Um. It does. It doesn't play to my personal sensibilities as much. But if I'm looking at it objectively, it's just a a, a thing that was written well. Uh, yeah, I, I dug it. It had a. I was actually st- I actually started writing some stuff. I'm I'm working on uh, various other things while we're doing this, and I was like, this this song just kind of the last couple of songs too kind of put me in the put me in the mood. But this one like really just kind of put me in the groove of like, all right. I'm feeling productive right now. This is this is again <laughs> this is again really solid background music. I'm 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 digging this as something to have on while doing things. Um mm-hmm. I can't say I picked up on any of the lyrics, but you know that's a fault of mine. That's just the way I listen to music. Yeah. The the words tend to just kinda the melodies hit me and the words just go in one ear, not the other, unless I'm specifically stopping and making myself listen to them. It's just not how I experience music. Um so I can't say I got much of a, any kind of message out of this, but I'm I'm still remembering uh, very much what I listened to and uh, that I enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I'm not laughing at you, right? Like I'm not I'm not <laughs> being mean. Um, I just find sometimes the way people speak uh, is exciting, just because I like I like uh, language in that respect. And sometimes you say some stuff that really just tickles me. And it's not the content, but it's the choice in words. So I'm not laughing at you. I absolutely promise you. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, no, yeah. And, and you know, I do get it, right? Um, one of my favorite uh, kind of aspects of Clutch is the lyrical content. You know, you and I have talked about this a bunch and how we both listen to music on the onset, right? When a song comes on, what's the first thing that grabs us? Um and I know it takes you a, uh, a couple of listens to uh, to kind of say, okay, I've got this stuff. Let me hear what else is going. What's going on over here, right? So you know, I I take no offense to any of this. I didn't write this stuff. So, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that song to me, there's just it, it came out at a time where I was really like partying with people and. You know, we'd be in each other's houses playing each other music and stuff, and I would always kind of, like, stand up and proclaim, like, this is the drinking song. Guys, listen, <laughs> this is the song. And it, it has that that sway that almost waltz, you know, should you go marching in three-measure time, dressed up as asses, drunk to the nines. You know, that was us. I'm like, yeah, we're all drunk fools right now, you know. You're 22 or whatever, and you're like, I know everything, you know, that sort of stuff, and but I like it because there's also a level of reverence, and it it very much gives me the nostalgia for something that I don't know, which is like this old time, you know, solid wood tavern somewhere, and you know maybe there's a guy on a squeeze box, you know, 
playing some tune or something that a couple people like mumble to and stuff like that. So, or maybe that's just the D and D dungeon master in me. That's uh, painting a picture. I don't know. At any rate, <laughs> um, I did make a note here uh, that I had to write down because if I didn't, I wasn't going to say it. Um, and in lieu of rambling, I'm actually going to read something. So, <laughs> uh, my note is I fought hard, whether I should include careful with that mic, which is the single off this record off of pure rock fury. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I've always felt it was a bad song. Uh, like I said, when I first heard this record, I did not like it. Um, but as years passed, it really became something of a, of a juggernaut of its own, but careful with that mic is a, is a song that, um, it still never it still doesn't sit well with me, but uh, in researching for this episode, I found a line from CMJ where they complimented on its clever rhymes, but more importantly, I found out that it was a quote rap rock parody song, which gave me a, a little bit of comfort. Uh, I bring this up uh, because I too believe it's a great example of Fallon's lyrical ability and at the very least should be experienced once. Um, it's it's a song where he just oh man he like he's making fun of the rap rock scene which is essentially like the limp biscuits and Mm -hmm. uh you know maybe the lincoln parks and stuff um but at the same time he's like flexing such an intellectual prowess that it's it's comical um excuse me so that's why i say you should at least give it a listen again if you're enjoying this stuff i would give it a listen um so consider this an honorable mention. Instead, I chose Drink to the Dead because this song just rocks, and for a very long time, this was my, quote, drinking song. It was my rallying cry to enjoy life while you draw breath. So there you have it. Hmm. Uh, getting away from Pure Rock Fury, of which there are quite a few songs on that album worth listening to. We're going to move on to um, – we're going to go a little out of uh, chronological order. Um, if you listen before, I'm a big fan of chronological order because I like – the idea of listening to the evolution of, a, of an artist or a band. Um, so the song we're about to listen to next is called Electric Worry. Now that comes off of um, From Beale Street to Oblivion, which is a reference to the home of the blues uh, down in Memphis. Um, but we're not going to listen to the uh, Beale Street uh, version. Uh, in 2000 and hell so this was originally uh, released in 2007 but clutch released a record called the weathermaker vault series volume one weathermaker is the um the label they're currently on uh this was released in 2020 so this song is actually a re-recording of the original electric worry there's something about this version that i just really enjoy more than the beale street version um yeah, so I felt I want to put this out instead of the other one. Again, I always say go back and listen to the version, the original version. Make your own judgment. Um, but with that being said, this is going to be Electric Worry off the 2020 uh, release by Clutch, the Vault Maker vo- uh, series, Volume One. Enjoy. <laughs> Well, you made me weak 
goes me leave town, my happy home. But someday, baby, you ain't worth my life.
That was Electric Worry by Clutch off of the Weathermaker Vault series volume one. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to let you go first, Chris. Well, it was freaking great. Uh, it was uh, very, I want to say blues inspired. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, a little slide guitar It's almost hard to... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's, it's almost hard to appreciate that this is the same band that we started <laughs> listening to. Right. Like, you listen to this song and you listen to a, a Shogun named Marcus and tell me that they're the same band. You could tell me that those are two totally different bands and I would have believed you. Because uh, mm-hmm. this, is, this is so different. Uh, but in a, a, a wonderful way. This is a, it's pretty cool listening to this guy's voice do something this different. This is a, a completely different style of singing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's very, you know, blues singer uh, sure. uh, approach. And it, it, he's really quite good at it. It's very successful. Uh, <laughs> the fact that it's like, the song's over. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, this wasn't, it wasn't that fade out thing. This was like, they, they literally ended the song. Yep. Three times, and only one yep. of them was the real end of the song. Yep, <laughs> and they were just like, "Never mind, let's just keep playing. Let's start over again." Just kidding. We got, we got another two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a weird structural thing to go for. I feel like I would have personally uh, preferred some sort of something to bridge those together instead of really finishing a sentence and starting a new chapter <clears throat> each time. Um, mm-hmm. But outside of that, I, I have very few complaints. It's, it was it was a really good song. Really liked it. So if I could put it into perspective, right, um, I, I love that kind of uh, what I talked about with the chronological order to see the trajectory of a band, the evolution in a lot of cases. I love that you're kind of seeing that to say something like a Shogun named Marcus versus uh, Electric Worry from the 2022, you know, the 2020 recordings, right? What a what a a massive like, oh, how, you know, you're talking about. 93 to 2020. So what are we talking? Um, 27 year difference, right? Is that my math right? Yeah. Pass. So it's a 20, yeah, it's a 27 year difference. But the original Electric Worry is 2007. So even still, you're talking um, a, a 14 year difference, right? No, 93, uh, 2007, right? 10, 2000, uh, whatever. 14 year difference. Sure. Okay. Um, but even still, right, um, to have the blues influence, uh, to really, really just put it on front street like that. Um, I will say to your point, right, those little breaks, those uh, maybe big breaks, I guess, for, for a song, it's a big break. Um, on the original uh, track from uh, Beale Street to Oblivion, the the breaks aren't that big. Um, it flows very, very nicely. You almost don't even know it or excuse me, notice it. Um, really it's, it's probably a second, uh, in between each kind of, uh, new phrase and stuff there. Um, I think they've been playing it for so long. Like some bands do that. Uh, they've been playing a song for so long that at some point they've, it's become a new mutated version of the original just because they've been playing it so much. They start to find little areas where they can have fun and noodle around and then it becomes a new song live. Oh, they're going to play such and such now. Oh yeah. It's become this thing. It's, it's so it, it it it's uh an, almost an interpolation of their own song right and i think that's what uh really ends up happening on the um 
the entirety of the of the vault maker uh, excuse me the weather maker vault series volume one record there's a uh, 12 tra- 12 tracks uh most of which are just re-recordings of old song of older pieces of material they actually do drink to the dead which i'm not too big a fan of they kind of changed it up a wee bit and it's it's good it's not the original so if that can give you kind of any indication of what that record's like you know there's some real hits and then there's you know there's there's some grounders (laughs) uh but yeah i i love electric worry i i just love the lined um the line where he says, if I had the money like Henry Ford, I'd have a woman on every road, which is such a great, um, I don't know what the word is. There's a lot to unpack there, right? If I was Henry Ford and I had the money, I'd have a woman on every road, which is like to say, if I was rich, I'd have a girl on every corner, right? But at the same time, he's talking about Henry Ford. So it's like, did you mean that you would have a woman in every car on every road? that you were putting women out on the road to give them their free, you know what I mean? Like I sit there and I, I read these lyrics and it's almost the way like I dissect uh, hip hop and rap lyrics too sometimes. Cause a lot of those, um, those guys are writing stuff that has double and triple meanings and the wordplay is just out of this world. And I can't wait to, you know, maybe get to an episode or two and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, it goes back to the idea that Neil Fallon is just uh, an incredible, incredible writer. Um, so yeah, uh, we're we're getting into the last couple of tracks. Um, the next one we're gonna do is off of uh, uh, is it the following record? I want to say of uh, Beale Street. Let me just double check. Nah, there's a there's a oh right because I did kind of go out of sequence. Um, so this is off of 2004's Blast Tyrant. Um, again, another great record. Some stuff really hard to choose. Um, but but the parameters are what songs best you know encompass this band. So the track's called "Prophets of Doom," P R O F I T S. Not you know because of course it's all wordplay with with these guys, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna let this one uh, speak for itself. Uh, "Prophets of Doom," "Blast Tyrant," "Clutch." Enjoy. Drop it! 
Prophets of Doom, uh, off of uh, Blast Tyrant by Clutch. There is nothing quite like a song that ends with "Never trust a white man driving a black, black van." van. <laughs> He's just saving all his voodoo for you, just for you. Um, you know, I, I keep talking about Neil Fallon's uh, lyrics. They, they paint such a vivid picture for me. Um, and I know a lot of these lyrics, but I, I was reading along too, and I'm always shocked by what I don't know. And they're just <sighs> like born with a mustache and a supernova, toffed off off the cliffs of Dover, washed up on a faraway shore in the arms of the daughter of the buffalo. Like <laughs> I don't know, man. Like there's just some some great stuff there. But um, this isn't about me, Chris. Talk to me, buddy. That isn't about you. I thought it was about you. <laughs> it starts with me. But uh, this is this is this is your musical journey. Just like next episode will be my musical journey. <laughs> that's fair enough. I uh I don't know. I'm uh I liked this one a lot too. It was definitely heavier. Uh we're we're continuing that trend of like combining the heaviness of the first couple tracks with the 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 jam the what is it they call it a groove metal uh yep. kind of thing. We're we're kind of floating around in a not not exactly that area, but kind of floating around in that general vicinity. And I, I once again found it very uh, very entertaining. This is solid song. I I g I don't have I don't have anything deep to say about this one. I just I just enjoyed it. That's okay. It doesn't have to be deep. I mean art is that wonderful subjective uh medium in which you can love it just because it looks good. Yeah, I, it's I, it's again it's not really it's not my bag specifically, but it's sure. also not something that I'm that I don't enjoy. It's, it's, it's a nice, it's also, uh, it's also not, not your bag. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a nice, uh, horizon expander where it's like, you know what? You could, you could stand to listen to more stuff like this. And then this isn't bad. Enjoy. Ah, that makes me happy. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll save it for the end then. Um, I'll save the really bad music for the end. No, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, all right. Uh yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna leave Blast Tyrant. We're gonna head on over to uh what year is this? 2015's release uh called Psychic Warfare. Um so I like this record. I do. Um really again a tough choice what to pick off of it. I went with actually a bonus track um that comes off the digital deluxe edition where you get uh let me see, one, two, three. Uh, one, two, yeah, you get three extra tracks, and uh, this is the first of those extra tracks. It's called Mad Sidewinder. Um, this one might knock your socks off a little bit in the respect that it's a little, ma- a little, what's the word? A little different. You'll see. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but let's uh, throw it on. This is um, Sidewinder, uh, Mad Sidewinder, rather off of uh, Psychic Warfare, the digital deluxe edition by Clutch. Enjoy. Commiserating with feral children that got the real street knowledge. Liberated by losing it all. Drop out from the hidden college. Estimating that the cost of living ain't exactly what it used to be. Facilitating exciting environments. 
That was Mad Sidewinder by Clutch off of the Psychic Warfare Digital Deluxe record. Chris, please tell me what I want to hear. This is one malleable band. (laughs) (laughs) And again, you hit me with something unexpected. (laughs) Talk to me. Uh, just, just stylist. Uh, not even just stylistically. The um, this guy's voice is very malleable. Like mm-hmm. this is a, it's yet again a a different kind of singing, uh, mm-hmm. that he's doing in this one. It sounds almost like, not quite Axl Rose, you know, but like it's it's more melodic. It's way less screamy. It's way more um, kind of reminds me of uh, certain songs by like a. Uh, this band called Big Wreck, uh, just mm-hmm. the way that guy sings. Um, it, oh, it's, it was awesome. I mean, it was a really good time, but it was it was again a very different, very different feel. This is a really really malleable band, and I'm very uh, very impressed by them. It was a good time. High energy. Yeah, thumbs up. Yeah, that that's pretty much what I I, I expected you to say. Yeah. So. Um... One of my, uh, I'm going to stop saying one of my favorite things because I said that about every aspect of this band. Um, Neil Fallon's voice, right? Very much a guttural, uh, style-wise singing, right? But not guttural enough to be considered something like a Lamb of God or like these metalcore bands and you know these even heavier metalcore bands and stuff like that where they're they're genuine or these deathcore bands, grindcore bands. Um, where it's it's unintelligible, right? His natural speaking voice is pretty much in that tone. It's very much like, "How you guys doing?" You know, like he's he, he's almost like the um the uh, stereotypical impression of a trucker or some like hillbilly somewhere, you know, missing teeth, right? Like, but Diedrich Bader's so- character in Office Space. Yes. <laughs> right. He's like such a caricature of something else. And yet it's not. It's it's really who he is. And he's like a really super chill dude. And, you know, obviously, again, intelligent and, and loves a good joke. And, and he loves playing with his boys. And it's just it just shows in every aspect of, of everything they do. And yes, you're absolutely right. They're so malleable. They draw so many influences from so many different places. If I were to play a prong song for you right now, which is something that they where, you know, I said at the on the onset, you would think like, holy cow, like Prong is very groove metal, mm-hmm. um, New York-based groove metal band. Um, so you can definitely draw the, the parallels between the groove metal, but Prong is so kind of different. So they're, they're so heavily influenced by a lot of things. And then that absolutely comes out like, I, I know I keep talking about Neil, right? But I got to give the rest of the band their shine. Their bass player um, is so tight uh, between um, what's his name uh, uh, Dan and um, and Jean Paul the drummer. Uh, those guys have just been creating some of the tightest grooves and pockets like I've ever heard, and for like you know almost uh, yeah like thirty years, right? <laughs> These guys have just been crushing it. The uh, the guitarist Tim just sitting on top of a lot of it, playing along with bass and too, like just knowing where to play and where not to play. These guys have like uh, perfected, which is funny. They've perfected the clutch sound, right? Thirty years of of doing it, you should. But as you pointed out, they're so malleable. It's like, what is the clutch sound, right? Um, 
I, I yeah, I'd, I'd be remiss if I if I didn't just just talk up the band just for a moment. They just some of the fattest, thickest bass lines and like the guitar work uh, to to know when to lean on the wah and then to pull it away and like the drum is just so tight in the pocket and seeing them live too is like, uh, it's, it's such a, I hate to use the word treat, but it's such a treat. I, I, every time I go, I'm excited and I leave the show just even more pumped for this band and just, ah, clutch, which unfortunately brings us to our last, uh, playable, listenable, talk about a bull track. Um, I'd like to believe I saved the best for last, but there is an outro track. Um, but to talk about this track is really to talk about hands down the best piece of lyrical content, the best stringing of words together, in my opinion, ever uttered in the human history of language. Um it's so much so that I want it on my epitaph. It's so much so that if I were to be buried in a cemetery with a tombstone, I'd want it on my tombstone. Um, Chris, I know you're busy at the moment, but I'm going to ask you to really take a moment and just listen to to the next track and, and listen to the lyrics. And then when we're done, I'm going to pour over those lyrics <laughs> incessantly <laughs> And I might cry. I don't know. Let's see what happens. All right, you got it. I will. I'll, I will stop everything I'm doing, and, and this will have. I will try to pay attention to the lyrics. I, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you, you, fine ladies and gentlemen, for listening and indulging me in this. This comes off of the Elephant Riders. We already know how I feel about it. This song is called "The Yeti." Enjoy.
That was the Yeti off of Clutch's 1998 release, The Elephant Riders. Um, I want, before I go to you, Chris, I want to say that this is a moment, and this is no pressure, Chris. (laughs) This is a moment in my life (laughs) where there's a lot riding on this. (laughs) No, no. Um, I don't know if you're like me and you sat around with your friends and you listen to music and you're like, oh, listen to this one, listen to this one. Um, This very much has to do with one of the things we talked about early, early on when uh, we we decided we were going to start kind of spitballing the show. Music is very personal for people, right? It's intrinsically tied to a lot of people's emotions, uh, times, places, and things. Um, This is a piece of music. This... The, the thing I pointed out to you, and I'll, I'll, let, I'll clue the fans in in a second, the listeners in a second. Um, that piece is such a uh, – it, it's, it's such a piece of my actual living, beating heart. Um, so when I show this to people and I'm like, this is my one of my favorite songs of all time. This contains my favorite lyrics of all time. What do you think? I have that like nervous energy where I'm like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So now that I've essentially built it up <laughs> so, so much, Chris, what did you think of this song? Well, I really enjoyed it. Um, 
I, so I, I pulled up the lyrics straight away. You told me to pay attention to the lyrics, so I pulled up the lyrics and read along okay. as the song was as the song was going on. For the um, record, I sent them to him while we were recording. Just I, I had already had them up and up and running. Okay. Uh, I, I pulled them up before we even started playing. Um, I'm trying to piece together like I the, the 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 set of lyrics that you pointed out specifically um, mm-hmm. were your favorites. I I yes. I like that a lot. I'm trying to piece together whose perspective that is. Or right. what, what exactly this song is about? Because I, I really liked the first paragraph. Um, mm-hmm. He approaches Telluride, whispers up a prayer to God. Yeah, no, the, like no, the, the one before that. The the, oh, the um, first one was standing in the snow. What, 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 doesn't know yeah. why he's here. Notice, and really, it's just about the passage of time. It's about someone or a yeti. I, I guess that's kind of what I'm imagining is that this is this is uh, some sort of creature in the woods. Uh, mm-hmm. A yeti who was just experiencing nature uh, and watching the the passage of time and watching uh, technology move on. Satellites move across the str- sky and every year they multiply. Um, and then the second verse is um, this is where I start to get slightly confused because I don't know. <laughs> does does the yeti have a you mentioned uh-huh. sitting around with your friends. Uh yeah. nerding out about lyrics and talking about music and stuff like that. I didn't I did not have that, which is one of the reasons uh-huh. I wanted to do this show because I had friends that were music nerds that uh discussed stuff on a more technical level uh than me. Uh-huh. Like they would talk about like, you know, well I can play this on guitar and wasn't this riff awesome and and that kind of a thing and I I could never keep up with that. Um, mm-hmm. But I never had anybody that we would sit around and disseminate lyrics like this. Um, mm-hmm. I had uh, a couple of friends who would talk about things like this in, in uh, TV shows uh, at a, for a certain period of time. But no, actually disseminating lyrics, and no, I, did, I didn't have that. So uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do this show was to actually have that, uh, which oh, I, awesome. I find okay. fascinating. Um, so the, the second verse is interesting because if – when I start the song, I'm thinking this is from the perspective of a Yeti, uh, a, a creature that is smarter than regular, uh, than your average animal, but also not human. Uh, then the second one, does this Yeti have a, is this still from his perspective? Because it does he have a concept of God? Um, because, you know, now the, now a Yeti is coming face to face with humanity the source of all this technology that is presumably destroying the world around him because that's what humans do um mm-hmm. and you know the instinct tells me to run away but faith proposes that i wave so do i uh you know do i say hi and and go with my nature or do i uh do, go, do i go with my my nature to not trust this this person this other creature this entity walking towards me or do i uh choose to have faith that uh this person does not want to do me harm but then you get to that third verse which stand alone i think is is really quite fascinating to uh be someone who uh, who has existed for long enough to notice more satellites uh moving across the sky to notice the uh evolution of technology but no matter how long you're around uh you can there's still no vocabulary that can quite capture every emotion that's inside of you um Mm -hmm. even finding the proper words to describe the world uh it is a a really quite fascinating uh a set of lyrics but 
I I'm I'm looking at it trying to to piece the three of them together as a solid narrative and uh, it's it's interesting to try and interpret exactly what that narrative is, but taken just as three individual uh, stanza, I think is the right word. I don't know, uh, but three yeah, individual right. things. Uh, that third one was really a the lacking lacking the vocabulary to describe the world around you, no matter how long you've been alive. Uh, because no two snowflakes are alike, uh, just because nature is infinite. The the amount of things around you that you can experience is infinite and there are not infinite words. So mm-hmm. the, uh, there is no matter how smart you are, no matter how old you are, there is no writing that can duplicate experience. Um, it's, it's, it's profound. It's fantastic. I'm going to start by saying, Chris, I love you. Oh. <laughs> I, I absolutely do. That was, I couldn't have asked for a, I couldn't have written a better retort from a co-host. Not that I ever would. Please understand that I never would because I appreciate your honesty, your candidness. I, I love it. And you're absolutely right. Sometimes I, I look at this song and I think um, the first two verses are from the same perspective. And then, you know, the third verse I often wonder if it was maybe just a throwaway, which is weird to say because I put so much stock and weight into this, these, what is it, like eight or 16 bars or whatever. Um, But then to hear you talk about it in the respect that like maybe this is all from the perspective of a Yeti, which is to say like, you know, if you know your your mythology about Yetis, right, that's old world. It's very old world. And if you're familiar with American Gods by Neil Gaiman, the old world stuff starts to fade away when people stop thinking about it. So the opening lyrics, you know, satellites move across the sky and every year they multiply. Uh, actually, I want to backtrack. The um, uh, sky is filled with starry scenes of heroes in their greatest deeds, right? So that's some old world. That's that old world mythology, right? Mm-hmm. We look up at the night sky and we can see constellations and we know who Orion is. He's the great hunter. Well, they told stories about that great hunter, right? Now you have to do the research to to you know, know what those old stories are. They're not part of our modern tradition of storytelling, right? Greek mythology and things like that, Roman mythology, all the way up to, you know, some modern stuff. I make a joke that I say um wrestling professional wrestling is america's like folklore um so this idea of a yeti how you said the passage of time right this idea of a yeti just watching kind of the world move ahead in front of him the man comes and the technology comes so then is there a man actually approaching a yeti in a way that's just like uh, i don't care about the yeti and of course the yeti's like well it's it's my nature to run and then it's something so innocuous as do you have the time my friend which again i we could sit here and i can i could do that weird thing that teachers always did in high school that i hated like why can't they just be words on a page why do they have to have a double meaning but do you have the time my friend meaning uh you know do you notice the passage of time? Do you recognize where we are? What is the, ah, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then maybe the Yeti goes back to his domicile and he sits there and he's, you know, the author looms above his page and thinks it's strange that at his age, he cannot find the proper words to describe his only world. It's like, Oh my God. And then one would think that in a lifetime where no two snowflakes are like, one would have a brilliant rhyme for each and every bit of time. Like the author who is the one who is the linguist who has the expertise and all the language 
like you said, there's infinite life. Possibility is so infinite. Mathematically speaking, right? You can sit and you can do the math and you start getting into things like fractiles. You get into Fibonacci. It's, it's, it's nuts, right? Sacred geometry, but the, the, the language is limited and you cannot express it. And it just, just that, those, uh, those bars just, they hit me like a ton of bricks every single time. See, that's that's and, really interesting to what you just said. I, not to cut you off, but you no, you no, go for it. You mentioned the author, as in like this is this is an author, as in somebody who is an author. That's their occupation. I right. read it as in not even literal, uh, especially mm-hmm. because I'm looking at this as the perspective of of a yeti, um, <laughs> the yeti author. I mean, you know. <laughs> It's it it says the author looms above his page. That is the to to my mind the author refers to anyone who is doing the writing. Sure, at, absolutely, at any kind of writing. And his page, the the fact that it chose the words his page instead of the page, means that to me I'm not reading it as a literal page. I'm reading it as whatever the yeti is writing on. If it's drawing on a cave wall, that's author uh-huh. writing on a page. So sure. instead of it being a a linguist not having the words, I. I looked at it more of like the, you know, the passage of time that the Yeti has lived all these years and throughout all of its life, seeing the passage of time, the passage of technology, meeting with humans, uh, knowing to trust them, knowing to not to trust them, uh, having faith, uh, even understanding the concept of a God, uh, still going through as long of a life as that and not having, having the words for it. It was, I was just, I thought that was an interesting, that your perspective on just those, those lyrics uh, was 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 so different from mine. But to your point, right? It, it, exactly what you're saying is is absolutely true because I feel they're they're both a, a parallel thing. As you yeah, s- yeah, they're there. We're both we're both uh we're both coming to the same conclusion from a different place. Uh, yeah, which I think it's really interesting. Yeah, uh, the experience, the the technical know how, so to speak, the the job qualifications, whatever, to be a master in your field. And not be able to, you know, do your job to quantify whatever it is because it's the unquantifiable. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, <laughs> my God, I, 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 this is, this is the, those are the bars that I sing often to myself out loud, walking the hallways at my job, in my house, all the time. And, and now let's talk about the rest of the song. <laughs> yeah, the music itself, really, really quite good. Uh, very, I, very enjoyable. I I love it. It's just it's just the most non obnoxious usage of uh, of a wah pedal. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, you know, it's it's a group of guys like like a like a well oiled engine, just really just really 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 banging on all cylinders and just they just come together in such a a concert to they come together in such congress and it just i don't know man it it, it just sometimes i i listen to the song and i haven't i i'm the author i have no words and then other days all i can say is like it's just freaking awesome dude it's just a freaking awesome song you just gotta listen to it you know that like that 17-year-old, 20-year-old drunk version of me. Like, no, you want a good song, man? You got to listen to the Yeti by Clutch. Uh, uh, dude, just put it on, man. Uh, it's done. Put it on again. You know, like, oh, stop being obnoxious, dude. Stop. 
Uh, I can't. I could gush for hours and hours and hours about that, but I'm not going to. Um, Chris, I want to thank you so much for, for really just being open and letting me put out one of my all-time favorite bands. Um, just that constant source of, of wonder and, and awe, like I said at the beginning, for me. Uh, I'm I, I'm very happy to hear your words and your feelings about them, and it, it makes me – it always makes me happy to, to put new music into other people's ears and, and receive it that way, so – I got to first thank you for just, you know, being the cool cat that you are, man. Oh, well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for introducing me to this music. This is a, it's something I never would have sought out myself. And um, I'm very glad that I got the chance to dive into it and have fun, uh, nerdy lyrical discussions. And yeah, good times. I, I look forward to more of this because there are quite a few bands that I nerd out on their lyrics hard. So we will have more lyrical discussions uh, in the coming coming weeks and months so I, I absolutely look forward to that now that being said i had this crazy idea uh that i pitched to chris a couple days ago while compiling the final track list for this uh, particular episode uh as i said clutch has been around since uh 91 and you can only imagine as i said how many records they have um besides rarities re-recordings lives and just proper eps and lps and so on and so forth um, I say it every episode, it's really, really hard for me to pick 10 tracks, um, especially when I have to find the 10 tracks that encapsulate what I feel the band or artist is, um, just is, right? Uh, how do you boil it down? So I pitched this idea to Chris. He thought it was a fantastic idea. And moving forward, uh, we're going to be offering a sort of companion track list to our episodes. Um, Speaking specifically for this episode for Clutch, I have created a playlist on Spotify entitled Clutch Turning Tracks Matt. So that's to say it's Clutch, it's from from the episode Turning Tracks, and it's Matt's picks. On that list, you will find every song that you heard in this episode, including the original version of Electric Worry. What I've done is I've curated a list of stuff that I feel is a very much, excuse me, is very much a must listen for. So when I uh, was talking about the record, um, the Elephant Riders, the whole record's on that list from start to finish. It's all in chronological order. Um, If you dug what you heard, I once again implore you to go to Spotify and search Clutch turning tracks matt and you will find that playlist um and so effectively what i'm attempting to do is to give you a deeper dive into this band uh in the coming weeks as we progress through more episodes of turning tracks i am going to go backwards and put up uh, a list for johnny cash for white zombie uh and um oh my goodness Hmm. he's doing such a great job until i forgot my third pick Depeche Mode. Oh my God! How could I possibly have forgotten Depeche Mode? <laughs> uh, the the goth community is coming for me as we speak. But I will do a deeper dive for all those artists, um, and I'm going to work with Chris, who I just found out does not have a Spotify account. I will work with Chris, and we will put together deeper dives for his picks: the Push Stars, the Monkeys. Um, uh, Chris, who are your other picks? Oh, uh, my other picks were uh, Fountains of Wayne, Dispatch, the Monkeys, and the Push Stars. 
we will we will work together and we will create deeper dives for those uh, artists. Uh, and at the very least, you'll have a list of the music that appears in the episode without us babbling. So there you have it. Um, as always, I, I look forward. Oh, I shouldn't say me, but we both look forward to uh, catching you guys on all of our social medias. Uh, we here at Turning Tracks are incredibly grateful to everyone who listens, and we love communicating with you whenever we can. And we have a couple ways of doing that. There's the Geek A Discord channel in which we have a Turning Tracks chat where we hope to discuss all manner of stuff relating to music and whatever our next episodes are going to be. And of course, you can always still send us email at mail at geekade.com. And while you're at it, check out all of our social media channels, which you should like, follow, and subscribe to, uh, you know, if you haven't done that already. Uh, Turning Tracks and other GeekAid podcasts are made possible thanks to the GeekAid Patreon page. There, patrons can access, uh, excuse me, there, patrons can get access to a monthly podcast topic and recording schedule, get early access to most of GeekAid shows, including this one, and more. If you've enjoyed our podcast over the years, follow the link in the description and give it a look. We really appreciate it. Believe me, we really, really do. We do. <laughs> Finally, as always, be sure to check out all the other great content we have on our site over at geekade.com. That's G-E-E-K-A-D-E.com. And finally, our next show. Chris has kept it a secret from me, and I hate when he does that. (laughs) But now it's time to reveal that secret. Chris, who are we going to be diving into next episode? All right. So every episode, we've had the same problem. This is okay. so hard choosing only 10 tracks from this band. Preach. And honestly, I it's been so busy over here. I've had a lot of stress in my life lately that I thought, you know what? I'm going to pick something easy this time. I'm going to pick a band that only has two albums. So, uh, <laughs> and this is a band that I believe you are quite familiar with. So, we're not introducing anything new. We're both just going to have a good time listening to the refreshments. Oh, oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so happy. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely so happy right now. Oh my god. Oh, that makes oh me my god, very happy to hear. Oh, I can't, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Yeah, All right, uh, let's. I want to end this episode right now so we can get to the next one. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, um, sorry. I've got a matter of an outro. I'm so sorry. Sorry. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. Oh my god, the freaking refreshments. Oh my god. You're the only other person that knows the refreshments. Jesus. All right. <laughs> Hang on. It feels like starstruck all of a sudden. This is so weird. I'm like sweating. I don't understand. Things are getting weird over here. I'm just by myself. Things are getting real weird. All right. Clutch. Okay. Once again, thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. We're we're really appreciative of of everything. Please reach out to us on our social medias. We love – I especially love chatting with everybody. There's a lot of great um, Discord channels that um, we're we're both very proactive in. Um, Yeah. Okay. So that being said, we're going to send you guys off with a very – what I feel is very much in the vein of Clutch, because obviously we've, as, as Chris pointed out, Clutch has been a very malleable band, right? Um, but this song is an instrumental, and it features a trombone player whose name escapes me at the moment, and I apologize profusely. Uh, the song's called Cracker Jack. It's off of the Elephant Riders album. Oh, gee, no surprise there. <laughs> um, and I just, it's the it's it's the song that, I think should have ended the elephant riders, but I can't disagree with how they ended it. So on that note, once again, thank you everybody, Chris. I love you. Thank you. (laughs) 
It's been a blast. Here is Cracker Jack off of The Elephant Riders by Clutch. Enjoy the rest of your whatever you got left. <laughs> 